0: Hey everyone. Quick announcement. Each week, I try to bring you an episode to the show that offers something for everyone. It might be a training tip, insight into a world or or national champions life and how they got to where they are, or it might just be talking sports, the shooting sports in particular, uh, for entertainment purposes. At the bottom of each of my episodes, you will find a Koji link to my website where you can find sponsors links to guests, things of that nature. Currently there are three sponsors, Laser App, Gun Butter Lubrication, and now AimSize Products. I will be putting out um, a specific episode about AimSize and their products. But by using the links provided, you indirectly support the podcast without any additional cost to you. As a matter of fact, you typically save money by following those links, they'll give you a discount. And then they'll send a little bit my way just to kind of help with the podcast. The discount link for Hoist is included. However, I don't, I don't get anything from Hoist, but I believe in their product. And I feel it's a hydration product for you, which I highly recommend, especially shooting matches in the summertime where it's hot and humid. Now, if you don't use any of the products listed, there is still a way to support the podcast by using the tip button on the Koji link. It surely isn't required. None of this is required, but it is greatly appreciated. I'm trying to make the podcast as professional as possible, which does take time, a lot of time, and money. You can use the link to email me as well, whether you have suggestions for guests or whatever, comments, feedback, regardless of whether you use a sponsor link or not. I still hope you enjoy the show. Please like it, share it, and give it a five-star rating if you're so inclined thanks welcome to this week's edition of the casual shooters podcast your premier podcast for the casual shooter this week's guest comes from the hot and humid southeast he took a leave of absence for a period of time but he's back he's a uspsa grandmaster in production he was on the super squad in 2020 where this podcast was actually born firearms instructor and most recently he was an instructor at the twenty twenty three PSTG summit. So without any further ado, I need you to well you need you to join me in welcoming Tyler Grizzly Adams Turner to the show. How you doing, Tyler? I'm doing great. <laughs> <laughs> that that beard, man, that is epic.
1: Yeah, yeah uh i think it's kind of displacing the hat you know i was known for wearing the hat for a while i think the beard is
0: <laughs> what people the, like the straw shoes. hat
1: yeah, yeah yeah yeah
0: yeah i like that hat i've got something similar but it's canvas from an old from old canvas trucks back in like the mm-hmm. 30s yeah yeah pretty cool
1: yeah you mentioned the hot and humid south that's a real thing so the hat comes in handy
0: yes yes it does if you would take a moment and introduce yourself.
1: Well, hey everybody, uh, Tyler Turner. I am from the North Georgia area. Uh, I've been shooting USPSA. Gosh, maybe in my t- this may be my tenth year uh, participating, and uh, uh, primarily low cap, a production guy. I've done some dabbling with CO, but um, yeah, that's that's about it. I think. I think, uh, yeah, probably more guys in the southeast know who I am. I don't know if I have <laughs> that name recognition in other parts of the country.
0: Yeah, I, well, you've been on a few other podcasts. Yeah. You, so I think you've had some exposure out there. So that then you know they may not know you well, but right. they know of you. All right. So it sounds like you listen to the podcast, so you know the toughest questions are right up front.
1: Oh, and I I prepared. I came. I like it. Came prepared.
0: I like it. All right. Favorite movie.
1: So it came down to two Christopher Nolan movies: Inception and Interstellar. But I'm uh, Interstellar edges out Inception by just a hair. But really, anything by Christopher Nolan, I'm. It's good to go in my book.
0: So, are you like a sci-fi guy then?
1: I like sci-fi. his stuff, everything he does is, you know, it's just enough of a brain bender, but it's it's like not totally inaccessible, unless you're talking about his movie *Tenet*. Did you see that? I did not. Okay, and, mm, so <laughs> it, it was it was like way inaccessible, and I didn't like that. But um, oh. *Interstellar* blends like this fascination with space and like. Uh, mystic forces and alien forces and everything. It's just, oh, I love it so much.
0: Okay. Great idea. Right. <clears throat> now, I have found that there aren't, a, it's about a 50 50 prospect as to whether people read anymore or not. Uh, if you do read, what's your favorite book?
1: Yeah, I I don't read nearly as much as I would like to or really want to, but. Uh, this I am going to cheat on. I have to cheat. I'm going to give you two because I couldn't pick one. Uh, first is catch 22 by Joseph Heller. And the second one would be to kill a mockingbird by Harper Lee.
0: Ooh, a classic. Oh yeah. Oh, wow. wow. I take it. You read that when you were younger.
1: Uh, I, I've read catch 22 several times like maybe starting in high school. I read to Kill a Mockingbird in college, I'm pretty sure.
0: Oh, okay. now I've heard of Catch 22. I'm trying to remember Oh, okay. A war novel.
1: Yeah, it's it's like a war satire. It's actually an anti-war novel. Okay. Uh, depending on who you ask, but uh, <clears throat> the satire. All right. So so Catch <clears> 22, <throat> here's how it's it. Catch 22 perfect satire to kill a mockingbird just the perfect novel period the dialogue perfect okay perfect
0: (laughs) (laughs) better than two alphas oh yeah yeah. (laughs) all right your favorite gun and caliber and as you probably know they don't have to be linked together
1: right uh i still this is kind of the easy option but i gotta say the gen five glock 34 um and nine millimeter
0: okay now why the glock 34.
1: well i came up on glocks uh specific and when i got started in shooting you know i've shot a glock and a glock 34 primarily you know my whole career um they fit me really well uh you know everyone complains about the ergos on a glock two by four but i don't know maybe i just have bricks for hands but uh, (laughs) And uh, you know they're cheap enough, Uh, and the Gen Five specifically, they it was it was the first one in a while that was really worthy of like a generational update. You know, calling a separate generation. The the Gen Five does a really really good.
0: Now I've I this is my canic steel, Um, but this is the only the part that gets me with the Glock is the grip angle. So mm-hmm. what I find is like it's not a natural angle for my wrist. Right. So I it takes me hard, a longer time to get accustomed to that
1: right.
0: presentation, you know?
1: Yeah, and I think it I think it helps a lot. You know, if you started on Glocks,
0: mm, you, know, okay.
1: you, you don't know anything differently. Um if you started on a nineteen eleven pattern or Tannic, MFP, something else. Yeah, yeah nineteen eleven. Exactly. Yep. But I, I'll tell you, speaking of the Canik, those guns, the value for those guns, if I were starting today, or if I were talking to someone who wanted to get started in this, that, that's, that's it, period, the end. Like, don't consider anything else. Don't do anything else except get that Canik Rival Steel. Oh, what wow. They, yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty remarkable what, what you get for the, the price and the triggers are fantastic.
0: Yeah, I mean I I agree with that. Um, I definitely that's uh, the first time I picked one up at a at a Cabela's I was like what's this canic thing? Mm-hmm. I have never heard of it before in my life. And I was like playing with it. I'm like, "Whoa, this is a pretty good pretty decent gun." Yeah. So I was pretty impressed myself. So
1: well, several years ago before <clears throat> anyone knew what canic was, you know, some guy at uh, at a local was like, "Hey, feel this thing." So what what is that uh, it's some turkish gun it's like okay okay <laughs> but I, I took it over the safe area and it's like um, so you've you've worked this thing over pretty well right like you've you've spent a lot of time and probably money on this trigger he's like that is a stock trigger it's like i don't believe you Oh, <laughs> <But> <laughs> because even the early ones like the tp9 or what i i'm not familiar with all of them but right even the pre-pre-pre-rival models, they had great triggers. But, uh, yeah, great guns. Great guns.
0: And we'll come back to um, something you said there. So let me write this down. There we go. Um, all right. Now, this is this is where I'm hitting you with that question. All right. <laughs> so, <clears throat> for the audience... Uh, I did give Tyler this question um, just before we went live, so he hasn't had it very long. But the fifth question is is tailored for you, and as it reads, it's I, I know that at times you've voiced your disapproval of the way things are going in the USPSA, as have several people. I personally sent a letter to all of the board members, um, and I got some phone calls back and had some discussion about what i sent so uh, that's not singling anybody out Mm -hmm. um and i also know you know you're not running for an area director or president or anything like that but if you were what would be your campaign platform
1: well you know i i've i've thought about this i've kind of created platforms in my head before it's like what you know if i were to run or if i run at some future point like what what would be the, the basis or what what kind of candidate would I be? And I think you're not going to elect someone like me, because of business experience. Um, you know, I have an 800 something credit score, but I don't have apart from <laughs> that. Uh, okay, <laughs> you know, I, I don't handle lots of money. Uh, so it's not that. And as an aside, I don't think that's, you know, we've, we've tried this before with other candidates in other areas where, you know, well, you've got that business experience. you got to run this as a business. I, I, I actually don't think that's uh, the way to go. But in any case, back to me, uh, someone I would run, number one, and someone would vote for me, number two, if they were interested primarily in the sport itself not the organization, not the business side, not the money side, which all bores me to tears. And we've put an inordinate amount of, of influence and talk about over the last several years, you would, I would run and someone would vote for me. If I did run to safeguard and protect the sport. And by that, I mean, rule stability, making appropriate and rational rules, uh, at least maintaining equipment rules, uh, if not rolling some of them back to to some rational basis, uh, you know, scaling down the number of uh, divisions that we have and generally making sure that we're making the sport excellent. I said this uh, on Ben Barry's podcast, which is when you are excellent, you have an excellent product or an excellent service, you create your own demand. All the talk about growing the sport to me just is backwards. If we ensure that our product, I don't like talking those terms, but it's shorthand whatever our product okay. what we offer is excellent the competition and the matches are excellent the people we have in the sport are excellent which they are by and large but we create our own demand we create our own organic growth this this over arching emphasis on growth 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 you know how many people can we stack in a match how many how how can we inflate our membership roles to be as backwards and probably counterproductive? So I I would run as the sport guy. Okay. Not I, the I, org or business guy.
0: And and I do agree with you that um, if you have a great product, they will come. Right. You know? Right. Like, so I, I I couldn't agree more. And I would also even go as far as to say, we have 20,000 active members. There are some very good business minds out there that we could tap into that I'm sure they wouldn't mind volunteering some time to help.
1: Right. And that, so. that would be, if I were to run, that would be my pitch is look, you know, I'm I don't have business experience per se, but I'm smart enough be able to speak to people who do know that and interpret advice and seek competent advice um, you know I can I can read a spreadsheet if I have to numbers make my eyes bleed most of the time but I can <laughs> if I'm forced to um, but uh, yeah I, I think we as an organization and our leadership is so consumed with the wrong thing, the wrong focus. Um, we have, as to your point, we have, uh, a supply side problem, not a demand problem. You know, we, at least where I'm at, and I know in other places Here in too. the country, yeah. yeah, we, we have too few matches to serve mm-hmm. too many people that want to come. Now, you know, you could say that's a good problem, but, uh, you know, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But like I said, you know, we need more ranges. We need more matches. We need not to be burning out the volunteers that we have now. Um, you know, more than one really, more than one hotbed of USPSA in you know various regions has burned out because you burned your MD out and didn't have a replacement ready to go. right it's it's not it's we don't have a growth problem we we definitely have um a supply problem right now and it's only going to get worse i'm i'm worried you know
0: right that's just yeah i i i'm in i'm an hour south of dc and yeah i mean the local match here fills up in about eight minutes so yeah if you're not there to sign up you're waiting for the next one which could be an hour away or whatever and then that one fills up and so it's a a never-ending problem Mm -hmm. now did you grow up in georgia
1: yeah born and raised
0: okay so did you grow up then around guns and hunting
1: yeah it's it's a, a pretty pretty typical story uh it's been told here with you many times before uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're you're exactly right though it, it was more a focus on hunting so guns were a means to an end you got right. to play with guns you got to shoot guns uh when you went hunting and so i grew up really liking hunting because i got to tote a gun around <laughs> it was much later that i realized you could actually have fun with guns you know and not freeze your ass off in the woods in <laughs> right. uh, December and come back with nothing exactly right so i uh <laughs> i haven't been hunting in a while because uh if you go hunting there's a chance you get to shoot a gun if you go to the mm-hmm. man guaranteed to get to shoot a gun and so yeah there's a
0: better chance you won't be shooting anything right right and then even if you do shoot it's typically one or two pulls of the trigger and that's it yep so
1: Yep. so now, you know, I, I grew up in the in the woods and you know, hunting whitetail deer, hunting squirrels—you um, know—all all the stuff you would expect from a little hillbilly boy like me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: now, how? At what point did you find competition shooting?
1: Well, I shot my first USPSA match in 2014. Yeah, 2014. But I—I I don't know how it's sort of a a progression it's sort of a sequence of events that led me to that i don't know how deep you want to go down that rabbit hole but uh
0: yeah wait it's up to you
1: yeah I'm, so, I'm game yeah so i had uh i had a buddy and uh well really him and his brother and they always had cool stuff um they had like ar15s before anyone else i remember the first time i saw an ar15 and you know i'm growing up with bolt action 30-06 hunting rifle growing up mm. with break action 20 gauge or 410 for squirrels it's like first time I saw an AR-15 and he was just carrying it around it's like is that yours so like, yeah it's like is that legal to have like I was I was like is that legal it's like yeah what are you talking about and so that piqued my interest because that was just my first exposure to to like black rifles and handgun you know never touched a handgun Never touched a oh, handgun wow. until I was like twenty years old. Um, it just wasn't just just wasn't what we had. wasn't what we as a family were into. But uh, that really piqued my interest. The Obama years came around. Uh, decided I need a black rifle, of course. Um, but I, you know, I started acquiring guns, acquiring handguns. I was awful. I I was terrible. I couldn't hit a pie plate like at seven yards. Um so it's like uh, both for rifle and pistol, you know, I I started to realize, you know, you, you you grow up hunting, you grow up, you know, shooting in the backyard and you think you know how to shoot. And uh I I kind of realized that I I didn't. So there's actually a program. Are you familiar with um uh what's it called? Uh Appleseed?
0: Uh, I've heard of it, but I'm not really familiar with it.
1: So I went to an Appleseed shoot it It combines like shoot- rifle shooting fundamentals and revolutionary war history. It's really cool. If you haven't been to an Appleseed shoot, I'd recommend um, go and checking it out. But I got involved in that. I was um, working on getting my my rifleman patch, and that I think that was the breakthrough that kind of taught me there's more to do with guns than just um, either sitting in a tree stand or, you know, plinking in the backyard. You know, there's, there, uh, there's a progression to this. You can uh, enhance your, your skills. And so got started in that and just, I think it was a post on ar15.com. No, that was the other thing at this time. Like I was a forum nerd. Like I, I collected guns and collected optics and like posted pictures and talked about guns online. I didn't really do a whole <laughs> lot of shooting Okay. And you know, it was it was always sort of dissatisfying. It's like there's got to be something more. I just didn't have the the presence of mind to go seek out that something more until I kind of fell into um my first USPSA match. But some somebody on the Georgia forum said, "Hey, there's this shoot at uh at the gun range this Saturday. Anyone else from the forum want to go? Like, I'll go?" I'll go, check it out. So I had my my battle my molly battle belt with uh, safari land level three and a glock 19 and uh went out there and i shot all alphas for the match
0: okay Not
1: not the stage i shot all alphas for the match and i finished up i was like i just showed these guys like i just i just did something here like i was expecting a pat on the back or something and then i looked at results i was like i don't know third from last it's like how can this be this makes no sense i shot all the points and then some guy was like uh yeah uh it's a timed event like it's points divided by time it's like okay so, <laughs> <That's it. laughs> uh, I don't know anyone else who could say that they they shot uh, all alphas for their entire first match.
0: Uh, yeah, I definitely didn't. So, but it sounds like you have the same humbling experience we've all had. <laughs> yeah, I was humbled. That's for sure. Oh goodness.
1: That's for sure.
0: So, uh, was that Glock the first pistol you you had bought, or? Yeah.
1: Yeah, that was my the first pistol I ever bought was uh, Glock 19, and uh, I was 20 years old. I could buy it when I was 20 because it was face-to-face sale. <laughs> that was ah. the first time that you know that's the first time that I can remember ever holding a gun. It's when I met that guy in the uh, Bass Pro parking lot. <laughs> oh, okay, <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing, no idea whatsoever. Uh, but you know, over time. After you know having that experience with the rifle through the Appleseed uh, program, I was like, okay, there, you, there's a, a concrete set of steps you can do to make yourself better with a rifle. There has to be the same for pistols. So I started watching YouTube and practicing. You know, it, it, in a manner of speaking, practicing. I'd watch YouTube, like pick up a, a you know Shannon Smith video here a uh, Ron Avery video here. It's like, okay, so this is how I grip. Okay, okay. So, oh, so the object is to pull the trigger, trigger straight back and not, like, influence it left or to the right. Okay, okay. So I I taught myself, like, grip and trigger control, but I didn't have any, any exposure, any ability to do, like, um, high-speed shooting or any sort of rapid shooting. I, I could, I went from at least, being able, not being able to to hit the pie plate at five or seven yards to being able to shoot accurately i was just very slow
0: okay i mean it sounds about right you yeah if when they use the turtle versus the rabbit oh, comparison yeah. I, the turtle okay
1: yeah that's me all the way
0: now what made you buy a glock was it based on you said you were on forums did you just read like that's the gun to have or
1: yeah you know it, it's still said today you know the the Glock 19 is like the perfect do-it-all pistol I, I still tend to believe that you know it's the perfect it can be concealed you know it's not so small that uh uh you know you can't get a full firing grip it, it really is probably the perfect compromise pistol if you could only own one so um I think it was, it was probably reading forums constantly that led me to the Glock 19. Now, I didn't okay. stop there. You know, when I, when I realized that I couldn't shoot, I was like, well, you know, a different gun will cure this problem. So <laughs> that was, a, <laughs> I went through like a lot of m compact and then a full size and then an h and KP 30 and, uh, who knows what else? There were several that I went through, like, like hunting for performance through gear and guns.
0: did you keep any of those or did you like sell them and buy something different
1: i i didn't have any money that so you know if if one came in the door one had to go out the door so okay (laughs) yeah and then i ended up you know coming full circle got another glock 19 so that's what i stuck with for for a long while
0: so, were you like everybody else? Then, after that first match, you're like, "Oh, I've got to, I've got to do this more."
1: I would say after the first few, um, you know, in that first six months, I didn't buy a membership right away or anything, you know, because I, I didn't really have a concept of the classification system. Didn't know that I even wanted to be classified. Um, I enjoyed my time, and as I got to know the guys and made friends, you know, it 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 wasn't immediate but it was fairly soon thereafter you know in the first i would say after the first two or three four matches i was like yeah this is this is what i want to do
0: now what point did you go okay i want to be a gm i want to do this and i want to do that and did it be become more serious than just a weekend fun event for you
1: yeah and i can i can point to two specific kind of triggers that that really pushed that the first thing was um you know it was it was probably within my first five or six seven matches and uh a guy on the range and i he doesn't shoot anymore i don't know his name i was just talking to a buddy about this trying to figure out who this guy was but he's like um he just happened to be talking to me in the He's like, you ever check out any of uh, Ben Stegger's stuff? It's like, no, I don't know. Who is that? He's like, uh, oh, he's a GM guy, really good shooter. He's wrote uh a dry fire book and a live fire book. I was like, okay, cool. Uh I'll check it out. So I ordered uh the red dry fire book on Amazon, got it. It's like, man, this is good stuff. It's all laid out here, like, you know, I can do this. I've got I've got some spare time in the evening. So I just started working in Ben's book. And the part times kept falling, getting lower and lower and lower. It's like, I, I'm actually improving. Like, this is, <laughs> there's a correlation between the amount of time I'm spending with a gun in my hands at home versus, like, what's now happening in matches. This is really freaking awesome. So, I uh, I really, do, I wore that Red Book out. I mean, that whole first year, I just, I, I was in it every single day you couldn't keep me out of the uh the garage uh dry firing and then the second thing that happened i'm a slow learner okay that must be the, i must just be a slow learner but uh after about a year in um you know i had no concept of, of shooting major matches uh they had tried to talk me into shooting the, the state match that year i was like nah you know i'm i'm still you know learning my way um i'm not i'm not good enough to shoot the state match um i think i'll skip it but uh the alabama state match came up in i think march or april of 2015 and we had just shot the the local match alabama was the next weekend we were sitting at the mexican restaurant after having just shot the local match we're like you 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 need to shoot alabama it's like i don't know guys like it's next week you know i don't feel like i'm like I'm not ready for that It was just a whole a whole different world for me it's like I don't think so and then I drove home thought about it. it's like you know whatever there everyone else is going so I guess I'll tag along so I decided like the week before the match like that okay I'll sign up for Alabama went and uh, I won my class and I was you know the the atmosphere and the pressure and, you know, Savigny was at that match. Tyler Ingram was at that match. These are guys that were gods to me. Right. And, um, you know, seeing them shoot, just being in that heightened competitive atmosphere, you know, it, it just, it spoke to me. It's like, yes. And that's, if there were any doubts at all that I wanted to do this before, it was all over that point. That, for whatever reason, just lit a fire under me. And I said, this is the coolest thing I've ever done. I love this. I, I want to be as good as I possibly, I want to shoot every major match I possibly can. So that uh, that changed things, you know, and then it, it was the next step up. You know, there's there's a life outside of shooting local matches. And, uh, you know, I just kept, I had no real goal for like moving up in class or even like, winning um i was just having so much fun like getting better and you know climbing up the the ladder at the local matches um you know it kind of all those milestones you know major match win or, or gm or anything like that it just kind of it just kind of happened as a as a side effect or a byproduct of mm-hmm. training so much um i you know when i started i i never it just wasn't a thought in my head you know oh gm um but as you get closer and closer you know it's like oh, this this is attainable <laughs> you know <laughs> this is something that a, an average guy on a budget and you know something that can happen it's like uh yeah
0: i, I kind of feel like it's the um if i had to choose two tracks one like focus on getting gm or two focus on getting better and let the cards fall where they will as i make progress i kind of that's the track i would take because yeah. i kind of feel like i like that that byproduct of as you improve you see your place change you you know you start achieving more and more It's not just about the classification, which is nice. Mm -hmm. You can see where you rank with other people, but I feel like there's more to it if you're seeing that improvement in the match results, you know? Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I think there's, at a certain point, it's, it's an inevitability. Like if you're putting in that amount of time, uh it, it almost becomes inevitable to to start reaching those types of goals
0: agree it's going to happen yeah if you're putting in the time now obviously you started with the red book you did a lot of dry fire yeah now at what point did you determine you're going to have to add some stuff to your training and do a few things differently to keep progressing up the mm-hmm. ladder.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I... I got pretty far on dry fire. And I think people underestimate what can be done with dry fire. You know, I tried to add up... I've tried to add up a few times the number of live rounds I shot, like in a USPSA-specific training context before making GM. And I... I best I can tell, I think I shot fewer than 10,000 rounds before making gym. Wow. So, you know, if, if anyone is not already a believer in dry fire, like maybe <laughs> believe it. Uh, Cause it, yeah. it, it's the real deal. Um, you know, especially for the stuff that's tested heaviest in classifiers, you know, your manipulations, uh, reloads, Um, everything's generally close up, you know, one-handed shooting to some extent, um, all that's really maybe best tested in, in, best trained in dry fire. But, uh, uh, I started to ramp up the round counts after making GM, um, you know, because you know asking around listening carefully when people talk on podcasts or in person or in training classes you know how much are you shooting a year what are you what are you what are you training on hardest in your live fire where are you <clears throat> allocating your your rounds and you know i became apparent pretty quickly like that to shoot at a high, or to like maintain a high level, you have to shoot often. Um, you know, the gun handling and stuff, like I said, it, it can be tested in, in dry fire, it can be trained in, in dry fire, but the, you know, the, the recoil management, you know, learning how to really drive the gun, drive it fast. Um, you know, there's no substitute for, for live rounds for that sort of thing. So I don't know, Sometime probably in 2016 or 2017, I started to, to ramp up the, the round count and, uh, I, I'm still not a head, what I would call a, a heavy volume shooter. I, you know, I may hit, may have hit, um, 20, maybe 30, 30,000 rounds, one of those years, but, uh, the, the backbone of the training is still, is still a live fire, I would say, or I'm sorry, sorry, uh, Still, dry dry fire. fire. I
0: would say, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and there are definitely some things you can't do in dry fire, but I mean, Jay Beal, you, there's there are a bunch of people out there that, you know, got to where they are primarily by dry fire and then refine it with live fire. So it's definitely doable. And then I, I think the
1: other driver is I learned about doubles drill. I think that was probably about the time that that doubles drill was created, and that mm. doubles drill is a game changer. Um, at least it was for me. Um, you know the the nuances of grip and really dialing that in to such a minute level. Um, I spent a lot of rounds on doubles. I still do.
0: Now, okay, so I, that leads right into something with you saying earlier that you've started to dabble in carry optics. hmm yeah. Now, so production doubles and, and optics doubles, while it might be the same drill, I mean, I feel like you can see more with your dot. So how, uh, how do you like doing... How much have you learned doing doubles with your carry optic gun?
1: Yeah, I've learned a lot. Uh, I don't think I... I gave the dot proper credit, uh, you know, because it, for a while, um, you know, people were talking about, well, should I, should I train on a dot, um, with the purpose of improving ultimately my, my iron shooting, uh, you know, I've been pretty dismissive of that in the past. Like, no, you, sh- you know, whatever you're going to shoot, whatever you care about, that's what you shoot all the time. I, I don't know, man. Like, there's, uh, there's a lot to be learned from, from shooting a dot. Not just doubles, but, but in everything. Um, and this year, going back and forth between them, I think the biggest thing is there are fewer distractions with the dot. Um, there's, there's less, there's no front sight post and no rear blade, like, obstructing your view of the target. And so when I went back to irons after having spent you know, a fair amount of time with a dot. That was what I noticed first. It's like, I want, I've trained my eyes at this point to look at very specific points of the target. And now it's annoying to have, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's annoying to have like the <laughs> outline of the sights block what I'm trying to, I'm trying to look at this. And here you are like blocking my, you're point. in my way. Yeah, it's definitely in the <laughs> way. Uh, I, so I think the dot's good for, it's, it's definitely good for, or learning target focus shooting or verifying you know i thought and to some extent i did shoot target focus with irons i realized that there are some scenarios or some distances at which i was switching back subconsciously to a to a sight focus like so, your longer
0: more difficult shots yeah, I or, okay. or
1: something you know a really tight partial something perceived to be okay. difficult you know you switch back and only realize it after the fact um but yeah, the the dots, the dots been really good. It's, it's, it's taught me a lot. Um, it's taught me a lot about vision and picking specific points. Um, uh, similar to, to target focus. You know, I thought I was picking specific points. What I'm really doing is I'm conscious of the A zone. And so you know, I would uh, basically align the, the iron sight, the front and rear sight, you know, in between the perfs of the A-Zone and call it good. Well, that's not really picking a, an aim point. You know, you're, you're picking, um, how would you say that? It's an area, but it's not a point. Um, shooting a dot really drives home the, the emphasis on picking specific aim points. And that was good.
0: I feel like now, I, when I started this, I was already in my early 50s. I, I didn't find practical shooting until much later in life. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, these are reading glasses. I can d- Anything beyond my laptop, where you're at right now, is perfectly clear. Everything from my laptop in is not. Right. <laughs> so, So I wear these so that everything within arm's reach is clear. So, you know, I have that okay, if I want to focus on iron sights, I can, but then I got nothing out here and vice versa. Mm -hmm. But I've shot enough iron sights before this that I feel like with iron sights, it's more you have an acceptable sight picture and that's what you're looking for versus now when I shoot a dot, I'm like, you know, I can look for, as I've said on other ones now, I'll create... If I come across a target in a match that I haven't like one time I shot uh maybe it was I don't know if it was area eight or just up at Shadowhawk. It was at Shadowhawk defense in a match, and they had taken um Ipsic targets and turned them a certain direction. I was right. like, well. So I had to walk down there and I'm like, where in the hell am I shooting this target at? <laughs> I'm like, all right, right there. <laughs> you know, so now when I when I dry fire, I'm like, every target I see, I'm like. Where exactly is my spot, but I don't feel like I could do that as well with iron sights,
1: right, yeah, especially if your your eyes or your your focal depth is having to compete. yeah so if if you look at a distance target and you can see that you know fairly sharply, is your peripheral vision good enough to to see whether or not the sights the iron sights are in alignment?
0: You know, it's still blurry enough that I probably have to come back about 10%, maybe 15% off that target to be able to make sure that that Mm -hmm. that front sight post is within the rear. So I still do have to back it off a little bit because it will just be so blurry at times. I'm like, that's just unacceptable. Right
1: yeah the reason i asked is you know if if you're truly shooting target focus everyone's sights are going to be blurry but i wanted right. to know like to what degree are yours blurry are they yeah. blurry like because it's a vision issue or is it yeah 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 it you is know, I'm, I'm tracking with you
0: and that's where you know i know a lot of people don't like the dots but the dots in this situation actually do help right because it's they stand out so much they're much easier to confirm in the peripheral vision that okay they're except you know i i see three i'm good yeah <laughs> <You know? laughs> well and two,
1: you know who, who cares it, it's 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 not great if the the rear side and the front side are are so blurry that you can't tell if it, you know if they're aligned you know, who cares if the, the dot itself is, is a little fuzzy because you're going to shoot the streak anyway. Right. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Now, do you see yourself shooting more and more carry optics or is this just from you wanting to learn more about it that you're doing it?
1: Well, it, it was really out of necessity that I started and that I've, I've shot as much as I have. You know, my, you need, my love you need my is reading for, glasses. I'm sorry.
0: You need my reading glasses? <laughs> no, uh, different different kind of necessity. <laughs> so, you know, we I
1: I, I want to shoot where the heat is. You know, I want to shoot against against the best and I want to have competition. And you know, it, it's it's sad. I hate it. My 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 love is for low cap minor irons. And okay. probably in that order, um, yeah. Low cap, minor irons. That that's the aspect of the game. That's the challenge that I that I like. Um, it, it's just it, it's always interesting. Um, you know, how how do you solve the puzzle um, when you're you're on rounds? You know, you got to be accurate. Um, right. And iron fights are, are a challenge unto themselves. But, or you're going to have another
0: reload. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: So, I, I've always liked that about the sport. That, that's what tickles my fancy. But I've uh, gone to the dot and I've shot some CO just to have more competition. Um, you know, that's where everyone's at. So, you got to go where the heat is. Um, and it's it's been fun. It's, it's been fun. It's been a nice change of pace. Uh, I just, if, here's what I would say I wish everyone was shooting production or single stack then I would shoot production at single stack or production, you know, and compare myself to single stack, but everyone's shooting CO. So, you know, that's where I got to go. That's what I got to do.
0: Yeah. It seems like anything with a dot seems to be very, very popular.
1: Oh yeah. Dot and high cap, you know, it's,
0: oh yeah, absolutely.
1: Now, you know, I, I just, I see it as playing the game on easy mode, you know?
0: Okay. (laughs) it's a cheat code I got it yeah yeah.
1: when you're playing Grand Theft Auto you know you want all the bullets don't you you want the rocket launcher of course
0: (laughs) (laughs) now would you still consider production and carry optics to be low cap if they if the rules were changed to align with IPSC and you had 15 rounds
1: yeah that that'd be i think that's it's still it'd be low cap relative to the other divisions for sure um you know ipsic's a little it's a little different just because you know standard they don't have i think those guys are getting like 18 maybe uh i don't want to speak
0: too yeah i'm not
1: on that. I, I think i'm not sure with their limitations their lower cap um so, you know, depending on where you draw the line, it's, it's still low-ish cap, I would say. And at this point, you know, I, I like 10 rounds. That's my preference. Okay. Uh, if, if they are just hell-bent on changing it, I hope it goes to 15 rounds. Uh, but, you know, frankly, with, with all the other differences between IPSC production, USPSA production, it's just, uh, they're, they're, they're not the same division
0: at all. <laughs> They're definitely not. Yeah, there are so many differences that it's not the same.
1: Yeah. I mean, but that, I sorry. Good. No, then go I was just going to say I I think the likelihood it, if they change it, I think the likelihood is that they either go to um a factory capacity or to um some uh length restriction like a 140 because, you know, we're well. I don't know how spicy I'm supposed to be. <laughs> you can be as spicy as you want.
0: It doesn't matter.
1: <laughs> we're we're if here's my thing. If we're too stupid to uh, to count to ten, you know, we're definitely too stupid to count to fifteen. Take that how you want. <laughs> there you go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I had a question and I, <laughs> I lost it. <laughs> so are you, uh, are you going to shoot um, Ironsight Nationals this year?
1: Yes, I am. Uh, I'm pretty much now I may sprinkle in some CO at locals uh, the rest of the year, but I'm, I'm pretty much committed to production. Uh, I want to at least make an honest run at a world shoot spot for the production team. Um, I, so I have some misgivings about South Africa, uh, oh. but I would at least like th- to have the 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 right of first refusal. Okay, but it's going to be tough. Production is probably going to be the toughest team to get a spot to this time. You think so? Yeah, it's going to be really tough. I mean, there's some okay. heavy hitters going for the production team. So I, I'm going to mm. make a an honest effort of it. We'll see what happens.
0: Now. I feel like some of them, I mean, obviously, Mason would be, maybe, yeah. G, but I don't know where Jacob is going to so try. I,
1: so, now, I, I haven't talked to Jacob, I don't know, I may be speaking out of turn, but if I remember correctly, he signed up for uh, production optics for U.S. Ipsic Nationals, so you know that I'm taking that as an indication that it, I would too. He's, he's looking at that team, um, but like i said i I don't know
0: yeah, and I, I see um like you know when I talked to nils he wasn't i don't that's, I don't know that that's his focus, I think his focus is going to be optics of some point uh, mm-hmm. or of some part, yeah. so I'm not sure who all will be yeah so due- i I would
1: say. Mason, uh, of course, is a mortal lock. Sal Luna is a mortal lock. Um,
0: okay.
1: Uh, there was somebody else. can't remember off the top of my head, but, uh, you know, I mean, there are a ton of heavy hitters going for it. Um, I think uh, Steven Lutman, probably, maybe Matt Nash, uh, Brian Gipanini, all those guys. I mean, okay. it's going to be tough. This going to be fun. It's going to be fun.
0: It will be. Uh, it'll be it'll definitely be fun to uh, sit back and watch and see yeah. how it all plays out. <laughs>
1: oh, it'll be nerve wracking in uh, in my <laughs> shoes, but you'll have a great time.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Be honest, to hey, uh, so this guy did this. Yep, <laughs> makes it easy for me. <laughs> now, so within from the time you started getting serious, because you said about twenty fifteen, you got Ben's red book, his dry fire book. Mm-hmm. And then in 2020, you were on the super squad. Mm -hmm. So was there anything, how did, let me back up. How did you feel when you found out you were going to be on the super squad?
1: Yeah. So I, I don't, I've told this story before on a training group, but, uh, Joel Park told me I was on the super squad. I had no idea. The first year I made it, I had no idea because I just signed up with my buddies. We were squatted. We were ready to go. You know, it was uh, either the week or it was like a week or 10 days before we left for nationals. And I just thought I was going to shoot with with the local Georgia boys. That's what I was prepared to do. And uh, Joel sent me a message. He's like, hey, man, uh, congratulations, super squad or something like that. It's like. What are you talking about i didn't know if he was messing with me or he knew something i didn't know but i got like super nervous it, it <laughs> turned out he he knew something i didn't know he had been on practice score and he saw i had been moved mm. now bear in mind no one told me no one from usbsa they just moved you they just moved me i was prepared to show up at the mat at nationals and just go to my squad and what would have happened i guess if joel hadn't told me is i would have just shown up there and hey you're uh yeah, I don't, you're not on the pad. It's like, uh-oh. <laughs> but, uh oh. But no, I, I figured out like uh, a week before or something like that, I was going to go to Nashville, that I was on Super Scored. And uh, I kind of had like my mental freak out. I, I allowed myself like, I don't know, like 15 minutes to just kind of like freak out really good and then get out of my system. And it's like, changes nothing. You've been training changes absolutely nothing doesn't change the stages doesn't change um you know your preparation um it's you're just going to have different squad mates that's all
0: until next time
1: don't be a little bitch
0: yeah